my uh, my job title is head of coffee, which is a little bit. Um, Have you got a badge? Hello, and welcome to the Fine Food Podcast with me, Sam Wilkin. Uh, this time round, we're talking coffee from bean to cup uh, with Anthony Corey, who has uh, well the enviable job title of head of coffee at the chain of coffee shops across London called The Gentleman Baristas. We talked about similarities between coffee and wine, talked about the Starbucks effect. Uh, we talk, talked about the importance, in fact, of just a straightforward good cup of coffee um, that I think some people miss sometimes. Um, but anyway, I hope you enjoy. Uh, I enjoy chatting to him on the Fine Food Podcast. Starbucks decided to try and open up over here coffee was seen a lot differently to what it is now um, so without them speciality coffee wouldn't exist in this country is that a popular opinion or is that one that you, you, you you're just telling to me just now <laughs> I definitely think they had a part to play I think sure. it's an unpopular opinion because in speciality people love to hate the chains so we wouldn't normally go through commodity traders we wouldn't buy in bulk we would buy smaller lots to bring out different characteristics in the coffee and present them to customers. Whereas chains, because they've got so many of them, consistency is so important. They need to have a coffee that tastes the same in all of their shops okay. throughout the year. They're sort of brand signature, but as a flavor. Yes, in, in, in a way. And so they bulk buy, they buy in massive, massive amounts, which obviously means they can sell it cheaper. Um, and they all can, also can roast to a certain level where everything tastes the same. So they. They would roast to a specific flavour, whereas speciality roast to get the best out of the bean. So there's a slightly different approach to how they how they do things. So when you're approaching selection of, of the beans that you're going to use when you roast, yeah, what what are you looking for? Two things. One is coffee that comes at a good price point, for obvious reasons. But also nowadays the scene is getting a bit saturated in London, uh, and each roastery is producing really 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 good coffees so we're trying to get something that someone else doesn't have just to have our niche maybe mm. in the in the in the market so and ultimately if it tastes good we're happy to to have it yeah uh, and tasting good is obviously quite subjective everyone has a coffee that they prefer to drink some people have sugar milk our main focus is is getting something that tastes that tastes good. Yeah, in our okay. opinion. Right. Well, so how would you describe? Could you describe the? I guess the gentleman barista signature, if you like. If somebody comes in here and they're looking, you know, they come here and they keep coming here because of a certain style of coffee or um, flavor profile. I wouldn't say we have a distinctive flavor profile. We do have one house coffee that is always present, which is a blend. It's it's quite broad in its in its flavor profile, which means that the layman would prefer it over, let's say, our guest coffee, which can be a little bit. It, it challenges people's idea of what coffee is and what it can taste like. And do you think that's important? In I mean, I guess this is a general question in terms of food and drink. I mean, you know, you've got the kind of I guess the democratization of coffee with Starbucks, Every, you know, everybody's had a Starbucks at one yeah. point or other. They, they, their aim is obviously price point, that's a big one, but they're, all, they're going for that super broad, appeals to everybody, not yeah. too challenging. And then there's people a bit more like yourselves who, I guess, 
in a way part of your identity is that you do have these guest coffees and, and you do select certain you know certain beans because they pick up on something or other and, 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 and they challenge the drinker and that's presumably partly why people come to you rather than and pay a little bit more um, but part of that is that experience they know they're going to have something a bit different yeah I think so but I think on top of on top of it is um, the way we try to interact with customers so it's not only about the bean for us the quality of the bean and the flavors of the bean is a given that has to be really well presented and really well put together but our our main sort of tagline if you will is is well-mannered coffee where we we don't want to dictate what a customer should have or how they should be drinking it. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to break down that, that um, sort of arrogance of the industry where it's like, we're speciality. We know what we're doing. This is how everything should be. Well, because also at the end of the day, you, you, you have a business to run. Absolutely. You know, you do want to sell your product. Yeah. In a coffee house where you are now, we have a very, very broad spectrum of people coming in. Whereas one of our sites... In the O2, for example, in the O2 or the Millennium Dome, as I knew it as. Yeah, nostalgia there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have a very small range of people coming in who, who want a coffee, for example. They just want a coffee. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's challenging for us because we're, we're, we're trying to bring something different to the table. But if you just want a coffee... We want to be able to provide something for you as well. Yeah, okay. So that's why we have two coffees on at a time. So we have one almost nostalgic coffee in a way because it's, it's more like chocolatey, it's more smooth, it's more coffee as people imagine coffee would taste like. Mm -hmm. And then we have the guest, which like I said before, is a bit, is a bit more challenging. Uh, and to a lot of people, I don't think they would think it is coffee or as coffee can be okay um, so coffee is a fruit uh, and in, in my opinion it should taste sweet and fruity mm -hmm. ultimately but to most people especially the older generation who haven't been as in touch with the the waves of specialty coffee coming in they want that well know. it's that cliche of uh, uh, I think I can't I think it was like just smack the pony or one of those like sketch shows where oh do you want a macchiato with this that and the other no I just I just want a coffee mm. no no I just I just want a white coffee and and in a sense that's what you're saying is that customer exists yes and their money's as good as anyone else's uh, absolutely actually, but what you're not doing is just giving them you know a, a filtered coffee that's been sat there stewing no. for two days and then a bit of slightly no. sour milk it's uh it's as good as that coffee can be yeah so um I was having a, um, a conversation with, with a guy who's just opened a coffee shop and he's saying it's very, very, very difficult to find a speciality coffee shop that sells a really good chocolatey, nutty coffee. Like it's very, very hard to find a really high quality version of this, which is, which is strange because it's a market and like you were saying, there are customers that want that and their money is just as good as everyone else's. So why, are, why aren't specialty shops going for a blend or a, a coffee that tastes like that and putting the same effort into getting that coffee to taste as good as it can be in the same way as getting, you know, a single origin from Ethiopia, spending a bit more on it and putting a lot of time and effort into, into making that just taste that little bit better than the sort of forgotten flavours sure. in, in, in coffee. What's your role here? What, what, what is your sort of day-to-day, -day, as it were? 
So my uh, my job title is head of coffee, which is a little bit. Um, Have you got a badge? No, I have a business card with <laughs> a of coffee on, which is, well, uh, like one of those. which is always very funny. My role is to middleman between the shops and the roastery. Okay. So I look after the quality control in the shops, make sure our staff are, are trained and, and are confident in, in what, what we're selling. And also give information back to the roaster and say, look, can we try and do this? Can we try and do that? Um, so are you working in collaboration with a, with a with a roastery or is it an in-house It's an in-house it's an in-house roastery okay. so um it's amazing to watch his his skill is ridiculous he can just be checking the color of the bean and know exactly that's it it's perfect mm. um he really really knows his trade and it's it's really good working with someone like him because there's no pretension there at all there's no he takes everything on board he tells you what he's capable of or what the beans are capable of and we try and work work around that we'd speak to a number of different farms or importers and and just ask for what they have in season at the minute they'll send us a load of samples to us we'll then sample roast them which is a very basic roast you're not looking to profile it in any complicated way you just want to roast it to a color that you would want to be roasting it to then we'll, we'll cup them which means after it's been roasted, we'll grind them down and just add water to them. So you can taste it in its, in its purest form without any taints and really try and pick up on the characteristics of each bean. After that, we'll make a choice on what beans are actually worth bringing in. Then we'll go back to the importers or the farms and say, look, can we have this amount of your, your stock or this mm. amount of your, your bean? And then it will get roasted to different profiles, so different levels of roast to see which one tastes the best are you then generating a recipe if you like for yes. that roast yes so he can repeat that right that that roast um but it's not only it's not only on color it's it's, it's about it's about flavor so within, within roasting there's different grades of 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 color that you can roast uh, or time it takes to roast speciality tend to roast within the first crack it's called so like popcorn almost you can hear the coffee pop and crack as it's roasting so after that first crack the roast is then developed and then it's it's removed from the roaster. Back in the day, or even still today, the roasts are taken beyond the first crack to a stage called the second crack. And this is where you see a very sort of dark, oily bean, which maybe reminds you of like French style roasts or Italian style roasts, which was the thing. It was how people drank it. So are you losing some of that sort of fruity sweetness that you're, you were talking about? Losing when you get a lot to of there. a lot of the, the fruitiness. Um, it adds a more dark texture to it. So it's a lot more full-bodied, a lot more chocolatey, but it also brings out a lot more of the bitterness from the bean, mm. which coffee is bitter, it's unavoidable, but there's ways of bringing out different flavors that help balance the overall flavor. Um, so coffee that was dark works really well with milk and sugar, for example. Coffee that's roasted a lot lighter, it brings out more unique characteristics of the bean. So you get more fruitiness, you get a different acidity, and you get quite a bit of sweetness left in the bean. Mm. So you can extract that sweetness or those sugars from the bean when you're making it into an espresso. And you wouldn't be able to if you've roasted those sugars out, okay. if you've taken it beyond second crack, for example. Right. Which is why a lot of people 
put sugar That's in. why they want their milk and two sugars. Yeah, because it takes the edge yeah. off, off the bitterness. Yeah. Uh, and that way of drinking coffee it is still present in a lot of people. They want coffee that's like that. Mm. But for me, I, I was just sort of hooked on, on the idea of coffee and how different it can be. Obviously, getting into coffee originally, I thought it is what it is, and that's, that's what it is. But I couldn't, it couldn't be more, more further from the truth. I mean, it, it's almost like wine in a way, where, where it's grown, the soil it's grown in, the altitude, how much rain it gets. Do you talk about terroir in terms of coffee? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think it's one of the, the major uh, influences on flavour, apart from roasting. Roasting obviously has a, an ultimate definitive role on the flavour of a coffee because you can get the most expensive coffee in the world that's grown in the, the craziest altitude, that's really unique in its flavours. But if you just cook it beyond um, belief, it, it just doesn't taste of anything apart from toast. Right. for example um, and you can get coffee that's really widely grown that isn't very unique and you can give it to an amazing roaster and they, they can't make it taste good mm. so, so the, the, there's so many variables within coffee but for me uh, yeah terroir is like Key. It's getting pretty chilly out here. Yeah, it's I could just see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering, can we uh, maybe? I mean, I know it's an audio medium, but can we can we kind of test your barista skills? Maybe do you mind taking me through? Yeah. How you'd approach making a coffee, and we'll we'll try and explain it for people who can't see what we're doing. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to make an espresso, and then add milk to it. The job of a barista is to make sure they're getting the best out of the bean. So we have sets of scales we have a machine that's got all the mod cons just to help that process so i'm just going to take you through it now i'm going to take the the group handle out it's always important to give it a good clean get the weight um i'm going to use our single origin which is an el salvador natural so it has a set recipe um to get the best out of it and to sort of almost guarantee the flavours of it. If we hit the, the correct numbers, you can kind of guarantee that it's going to okay. taste as it's supposed to. Um, so you're looking for a specific texture of the grind, you're looking for a certain weight in the, in the cup? Yeah, so grind size affects how quickly water will flow through the coffee. Uh, if it flows too fast, you're going to get not like negative flavors if it flows out too slowly the same will happen so for example if you have a coffee that's been ground too fine and the water is struggling to come through you'll end up with a coffee that tastes really really sour okay um, if it comes too quickly it tends to be quite watery and a bit bitter so you've lost the body mm -hmm. you've got bitterness and they're two flavors that you really don't sure. want and sure. sourness is something that you really want to avoid as well um, an espresso should be balanced should get sweetness, bitterness, and a bit of acidity as well. And they should, one of those should not outweigh the other ones. So I've got the coffee here. I'm, I'm trying to level it out as best as I can. Just um, gently tapping it with the with the palm of your hand there. Yeah, with the palm of my hand, just to, just to give it a nice sort of level amount. If I have areas where there's too much coffee or areas where there's less coffee, and I compress it down, yeah. there'll be areas of higher density or lower density, and that will affect the flow of okay, the so water Okay, so you're looking for an through. even flow across Absolutely, the, right. you want to use up as much of the coffee as you can. Okay. So this is where the tamper gets used. Yes. 
you want to apply... It's like a gavel, <laughs> for those who don't know what the tamper is. A nice, even amount of pressure on top. Okay. Uh, not too much, not too little. You're not looking to force the coffee. You know, you're not really trying to kill it. You're just trying to compress a bit of the air out, just to, just to aid in, in, in the extraction. And I'm, I'm blessing it. Okay, so this bless. is cool. You're wiping off any of the right. excess coffee that could be stuck on it. So this machine has got some called pre-infusion on it, where it, it drops a little bit of water on it. It then allows the water to sort of saturate the, the coffee in there. Okay. And it then delivers the rest of the water at nine bars of pressure. Okay. And that's not a normal process. Normally, it would just force that water through yeah. a dry what is it like a puck or yeah a dry yeah. puck you'd, mm -hmm. you'd probably say um, uh, it's not essential okay yeah but but it's it's better yeah, but with, <laughs> and we can this so is the fine food yeah. podcast it's not <laughs> you know none of it's essential but it's the things that make the difference those little nth degrees you know absolutely yeah and that should be a perfect perfect espresso there so what we're looking for is a nice solid creme on the top that's the thick golden. Yeah, it's yeah. the oily, the oily layer. It's not actually that important to have a crema or not. It depends on the bean and the roast of it. Okay. But it generally does give a good indication of whether it's going to be a good coffee or a bad coffee. Okay. The lighter the coffee is, the less oils there are present in the bean, which means you're not going to get as much of a crema. If you've got a dark roast, you're going to get a lot more crema, and the colour indicates the roast. So is that a kind of, again, that sort of historical hangover from when we used to go for that Italian-style super dark roast, yeah. you know? And, and, and you see it in adverts now. Their taglines are always, you always get an amazing crema on the top, but it's, n it's not always a good indication of whether the coffee is going to be good or not. Now it's time to add milk. Let's do it. So we've got the steam on here, um, and you are essentially adding steam to milk, and that heats it up to the perfect temperature and it also gives you the texture that you need. So the idea is to get the, the tip of the steam wand in contact with the surface of the milk, which is what agitates it and keeps the air okay. inside. So the idea is to get it in very, very gently. You don't want to add too much air in too quickly, but you don't want to add no air in. You have to have air in there, basically. If I didn't have any air going in, you would hear a very, very high-pitched screeching noise. So you're holding this in your hand, whereas you often see in perhaps some of the larger coffee houses, they just put it, put the nozzle in, press a button and leave it until a buzzer goes off, essentially. Yes. Um, what are you looking for there? I, I would prefer our baristas to concentrate on the texture of it and not on the temperature. So I don't know if you've been listening to me tapping in yep. the background. It's just to get rid of any bubbles that are in there. Okay. Also give it a good spin that helps break down the larger bubbles and it creates that nice uniformity yeah okay yeah. so it's gonna pour it now so I give it a little bit of hype first which allows most of the milk to come out and then I bring the two together and add the foam on top just like that and you have a really nice simple lovely love heart. very That's smooth kind of caramel color on the top should I have a little Little taste. Oh, please probably do. feel like I should do. do. Thank you. So that was Anthony Corey uh, of the Gentleman Baristas, head of coffee, no less. Great to meet Anthony. Good of him to give up some of his time uh, and talk to us for the Fine Food Podcast about uh, that wonderful, wonderful bean coffee. I look forward to seeing you for the next episode 
of the Fine Food Podcast. The Fine Food Podcast is produced by Salomon and Michael Lane of Fine Food Digest. It's edited and presented by me, Sam Wilkin. If you want to know more about the Guild of Fine Food, go to gff.co.uk and check out Salomon Sam on Twitter and Instagram.